Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, give somebody a high five as you take your seat. Uh, Real quick, we want to take up, uh, I'm going to stop saying that. We've been trying to intentionally change uh, some verbiage here. Um, Because I believe this, I believe that language builds culture, okay? So we don't take an offering, we return our tithe, and we give above and beyond, okay? That's one of the core values of our church is we give extravagantly. We believe that, that we have the opportunity to give because we're blessed, And so every single week you hear us uh, talk about this, I want to encourage those of you who have not begun to tithe with us yet, you need to do it. That's not because the church needs your money, it's because you need God's blessing on your life. And I believe that he will bless your faithfulness. Um, So let me pray over this offering. Father, I pray that you would use this to further your kingdom in Tustin, through Legacy, and beyond. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Now, some of you are gonna choose to give cash uh, or checks and whatever. You can do that in these buckets. But if you want, you can scan the QR code on the screen or go to legacychurch.online slash give uh, and you can give there. Thank you for your faithfulness in in giving. Uh, Man, we couldn't do without you. Hey, I wanna tell you guys something. Parents, we have started something today. We have rebooted our kids program and we actually have a brand new room that the kids are going to go to, and you can see it from here. Praise God. Uh, when they asked us, uh, you know, what, how many rooms we needed, we said, we need two rooms for the kids. And they're like, okay, cool. We're going to give you the farthest one from where you're meeting. And uh, one of the teachers found out about this need and graciously said, hey, why don't you use my room? You can see it from the NPR. So uh, I want to encourage you, bring your friends, bring your family, bring the kiddos, because we've got, uh, we've got an incredible kids program for them. And uh, I know we said it on the lobby earlier, but we're not just babysitting your kids. You need to know that. We are instilling the word of God into them. We are teaching them at a young age that they matter to God, that they have a calling on their life, and and we're pursuing that with them. We also say this every single week, but it's intentional. You gotta get into a small group. You gotta do it. Uh, The small group is where uh, the, the real growth happens. Okay, so now I know like on Tuesday night this, this week, we'll be in my living room and uh, we're gonna be asking questions. We're gonna be diving into uh, a lot of different topics and, and it's gonna challenge people's faith. I know that uh, also on Tuesday nights, we have the young married uh, couples group and that was a lot of fun. I know Matt and Kelsey were with us this week. It was fun to be with them at, uh, at Andy and Melissa's house. But I want to encourage you guys, get involved in a small group. You, you need that accountability in your life. And uh, I believe this, that forgiveness comes through God, through God, but healing comes through community. That's what James chapter 5 says. Cool? So get involved in a small group. Now, I have been, I have been so excited about what I get to tell you next for months at this point. Uh, a couple months ago, I reached out to a good friend of mine. His name is Pastor Ben Johnson. And I said, hey, would you come and share with our church? Because I believe that, that he has something that we need, uh, that God has given him a word for us today. Um, and he graciously said yes. So he is here from Northern California. Uh, he and his wife, Becky, are the associate pastors, campus pastors. Yes, 
of New Life Church. Um, he was actually my youth pastor. And so when I talk about uh, my youth pastor and all the crazy things that he did with me, this is the guy. Now, he's, he's going to try to be good today, I heard, and, and not like ball me out for all of my wrongdoings in my high school years. But um, this is a man I respect. This is a man that I, I, we, we honor. Um, and so I'd love it if you help me welcome Pastor Ben Johnson, giving the word this morning. Wonderful. It's great to be here. Hey, a, a couple things before we go too far. Um, our in-person audience, can you help us welcome our online community, by the way? We want to say thank you for welcoming us into your home and into your environment. We believe God's presence and power is there with you. But um, let me open us in prayer. Are you okay with that? Dear Lord, we come in the name of Christ. And Lord, today we need a word from you. For some of us, we come in needing hope. For others, it's healing for others, it's a peace of God that would come over our minds and hearts and settle anxiety and fear. For anyone dealing with depression, that in a moment they would realize that they are not alone and that right now there is a community of faith that is rallying around them and that, Lord, your love is so good that it shows up in our darkest moments. And in the middle of all of this, we slow down to put you in your rightful place that we recognize that you are God and we are not. In the incredible name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Hey, so grateful to be with you today. And um, as Pastor Kyle was sharing, we had a chance to chat and began to sense kind of a heart for what God is doing for Legacy Church as a word that I hope is both an encouragement as well as a challenge for you today. And so today at any point, if I say something that comes across as it's directed towards you, you need to know that first the message I believe is a message for me and that I am a receiver of God's word. And today we're gonna look at this together as we grow in what God has for us. In fact, I, I wanna recognize that even as I say that part, the church, I'm not referencing legacy, meaning a building or a location. I'm referencing it as a community, that we are the church, the family of Christ, as a group of people. And it was that even from the beginning. Recognize that the church era started in its kind of beginning piece that we'd see in Matthew 16. And there's a circumstance going on between Peter at that time. We know it, um, you know, his previous name is going on. And, and all of a sudden, it says that Christ began to ask him a, a question that says, who do people say I am? And some say you're John the Baptist. And this would go back and forth. And then he would finally say, but who do you say I am? He would say, I believe you're the Messiah. And then Christ would say an incredible line. He says, well, now your name is Peter, which means rock, and upon this I will build my church. This is an incredible thought because two things are seen in this. We see that there's ownership of the church. Who owns the church? Christ. It's my church. It's very clear. That is this church, global church, big C church. And then secondly, who's building the church? And it's Christ. Christ is building his church. And so we're simply aligning with what Christ is up to. How many would agree that if you could get in partnership with anyone, Jesus is the right person to get in partnership? Right? So, I mean, just throw it out in a unique way. If Elon Musk came to you right now and said, hey, I'm getting ready to start a new business venture, would you want to start? You don't even need to ask him what it is. You don't even need to know the details. You would just be like, I'm in. Yeah, because you know things I don't know. You're smarter in this area. You have successes I don't have. You would simply get in line with the right person. And I want you to hear this. Jesus is in the business of building his church. 
And it's for a key reason. Because lost people need a savior. Lost people need a savior. So we want to see that this church continues to grow and we want to see some things happen. But the primary health of the church is that people find Jesus. Now, please understand that we're building this off of kind of foundational pieces of scripture. And this is incredible, and I love the fact that as a church, you hold on to some biblical truths, that when we open scripture, we don't start by asking, is this the little part that I'm going to buy into or accept? Is this part sound good? Does it meet today's standards? No, we open God's truth, and then we apply our life to what that truth says. Now, I've heard it said this way, that scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God. They're the revelation of God to all of humanity. It is the infallible and authoritative rule for both faith and conduct. Infallible, meaning without fault. Authoritative, meaning put at highest regards. Now, I'm going to quote two people, or matter of fact, three, and some of them you might not agree with, but you'll have to at least admit that their quote is good. Is that fair? Like, if you were to quote something I said, my bet is you would find things you don't like about me, too. So I don't want to look at an entire person. I'm just going to say that I love what Matt Chandler said when he says, if you're not comfort, excuse me, confident in the authority of Scripture, you'll be a slave to whatever sounds right in the moment. That is a powerful thought. So we don't start with a cultural view. No, we start with a biblical view, and then we build our cultural view off of what God's Word says. That's an incredible, profound thought. As a matter of fact, Tony Campolo would say something so unique. He would say, if you neuter the gospel, you are no longer left with the gospel. To hold on to the gospel, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And, And you probably know this today, that the gospel is not a popular message. Because the gospel starts with one thing, that we need a savior because we are a sinner. Now, the cultural message would be that you are a good person in in all these things and that God loves you. Man, I I don't know about you, uh, know about what your thought is, but that word God loves you is used so freely. I mean, when we hear that word that God loves us, we actually believe that somehow that gives like reflection of who we are. No, the fact that God loves you does not reveal who you are, it reveals who God is. Now, unpack this in greater thought. See, for God to love you, we think makes us special. But it doesn't because God loves us as much as he loved Hitler. Is that a weird thought? We want to think because we're good, God loves us. No, God loves us because he is good, therefore he loves us. Now, stay with me in this thought. Because if he didn't love, that wouldn't make him not good, it would make him not God. He loves us because he is good, and because he's good, we begin to be the receiving parts of his love. But I want you to hear this, that being loved by God does not make you a Christian. Just because God loves you does not make you a Christian. No, when we move from being his creation to his child by surrendering under his authority, we move to now not just being a recipient of his love, but now we get to receive his grace and his goodness. And you know what the call for that is? Is to move into a life of holiness, to move into a life that's obedient in following him that aligns our life with his word. And when we begin to align with his word, then the freedoms and the promises of God show up. But if all we say is that God loves you, we're robbing people of who God is because we want to narrow it to what we receive from that. When the greatest life of all is not to just be a recipient of God's love, but to be a recipient of God's holiness. 
Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, if I can remember it right, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Anybody read that book? Um, some of you like it, and, and I have a belief, and I'm, I don't want to go on like record of this, even though it's going out to the world right now, but it is either one of the most profound writings of our era, or it was total craziness, right? I mean, it's a trip of a book in fullness, and yet you would know that the kids at some point begin to hear about Aslan and the lion and everything that's going on, and they begin to ask questions, and the question they asked is, is he safe? Is he safe? And I love the response that they're given. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good and he is the king. Now think about this. When you are an opponent of the lion, the lion is scary. Because the claws bring fear and everything that's going on. However, when you stand behind the lion and the lion is your protector, the same lion brings safety. There was never a meant that God was to be safe. No, his holiness draws us to him. His holiness moves us from just living however we want into the life that God has for us. So with all that as the foundation, I want to make a statement that I hope you walk away with today. In fact, if you're watching online and you've never heard a message of faith today, this is what I want you to put right now on your heart. That God not only loves you, but he likes you. Have you ever thought about that? That God not only loves you, remember, he loves us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Therefore, his love is not all that for us sound exciting because he has to do it. So what's important about that? Well, good. Well, it goes beyond him just loving you. He actually likes you. I grew up with this belief that God was just somehow watching in heaven in this massive book before him, just writing down every single thing I did wrong. And one day I was going to stand before his judgment and all of a sudden I would have this book opened up and they would read this massive list of stuff. In John 1, 1, it opens up by saying, in the beginning was the word. The word was him, was with him. This is a beautiful picture of Christ. We recognize that Christ is not a created being of God. No, Christ was there from the very beginning in its fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see in Genesis 1, the fullness of God brought together in, in this beautiful context of the fullness. But we also see later on that we would recognize this book, this book of life that our names would be written in. And the imagery in John 1, 1, versus later on what we see in the challenge of, of kind of the end times is that that word that's being written in, that word is Christ. Rather than a book that writes your wrongs, no, you know where your wrongs are written? On the scars of Christ. And one day we will stand before the Father, and rather than the book that will be opened up with all of our wrongs read, no, instead, the robe of Christ will be removed, and you will see the spear scar, and right there will be your name written on his chest, for he is my child. See, he doesn't just love you, he likes you. Now, you might be saying, well, Ben, you opened up by beginning to say, Ben, we're going to build this off this foundation of Scripture, and yet you're saying a statement, can you back it up, or is this just your opinion? Well, I'm glad you're posing the question, what does the Bible say about God liking us? In Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, I think are two of the most profound verses of the Bible. It says, even before he made the world... Before the world was put in place, before anything was designed, before the earth was put in perfect distance from the sun to create the most ideal temperature, 
before there was a rotation put into the earth to create a northern and southern hemisphere, to create gravity, to make an atmosphere, and all the circumstances that would put life into place, before any of that went into place, this is what it says. God loved us. So we recognize his love is on us, but let's continue on. He loved us in Christ to be holy. There's this part to move into his holiness, to grow in him, and to be without fault in his eyes. Then it says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he, what? Wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. He didn't do it just because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. Not just because he loves us, but he likes us. And he wanted us to be a part of this incredible family. So let's unpack that. What does that mean to the church? Or today what I would say is why we need the church family and why the church family needs us. That this thing works together. And I would open up by saying the first thought. You cannot fulfill your purpose without knowing who you are and whose you are. There's a two-part piece. You need to know who you are, but at the same time, you need to know whose you are. And in a world that's so driven around individual identity, we would say, well, Ben, I'm myself. I belong to me. And I want you to know that that's a great thought, and it sounds awesome. It's just contrary to what Scripture says as a believer, that we are not ourselves, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We were bought with a price. Therefore, our lives is to somebody else. If you're in a marriage relationship, you are no longer yours. You have been given away to your partner. They are now the responsible partner with you in this thing. See, our lives were not just meant to be kept to ourselves. It's why even we use stuff like when we love somebody, we'd say, oh, I gave them my heart. See, life is not its best when we simply hold or store our hearts to our lives, to ourselves. No, our life begins to get at our best when we begin to give our lives away. And yet the hard part about that is is that if you give your life to anything other than Jesus, it will let you down. Now, this is even a unique thought because you can give your life to some things in our culture and our world that sound awesome. You can give them to public service and helps. And it will sound awesome, and it will be fun for a season, and it'll be life-giving. But over and over, you'll just continually fight to find acceptance and love that more of you has to be given, more work has to be done, a constant need of, of extension to receive love and care back. But when we give to Christ and we lay our lives before him, we find fulfillment. And so we need to first recognize that who are we or whose are we? We are Christ's. We are sons and daughters of the King. And from knowing whose I am, I can then begin to know who I am. Now, the who I am is a unique part of this because throughout culture, we've labeled it from roughly at least four to as many six cultural values that we say people find their identity from. The first one is social identities. And we could see this over the last couple of weeks, even right here in your own community, between Chargers and Rams fans. Now, for some of you, you are like you live in the greater kind of L.A., area and so when the rams win you're like hey that's great that's local and others of you are like no way i'm a chargers fan i can't even celebrate for them you know whatever it is but you need to know something when you go to a game and people have on a outfit that you have or different parts when a score happens you don't need to introduce yourself you need to you don't need to say hi you just literally turn around and start high-fiving everyone in your area because there's an association simply by a cultural acceptance There are certain people that will buy into what you are because of an activity. 
You could go do something today, and you could walk out onto a golf course, and all of a sudden, you get paired up with some other people, and just simply by walking out there, you will share in community with other people because you share a like-mindedness around a certain thing. You might go do a cooking element or go on a hike or whatever it is, but there will be immediate community simply by sharing something in common. Well, it goes beyond that. We also see that there is a socioeconomic element, that people simply graduate, or, or, or not graduate, what is the word when you start moving towards something else? Gravitate, thank you, awesome. Gravitate towards people that fit in your economic part. That typically, like if you're going, hey, I'm a young college student, and right now Taco Bell is my world, you're probably not hanging out with people that are like, hey, Ruth Chris is my world. You know what I mean? Like, you're just in different parts. And it doesn't mean you won't be friends, but you'll recognize that your cultural connection. And as we get older, we will find that more and more. But there's four hardcore pieces that in our community we see that people find their connection through. The four traditionally have been known through religion, profession, politics, and sexuality. And in each of these, people are beginning to claim their identity of who they are based on this. And this is a unique part because we have the idea that we set our own identity. That we are putting in place who we are and yet that is a different twist where I'm actually gonna propose that if there is a creator, God who made us, then how, wouldn't we wanna know how the God who made us, who he made us to be? This is uniquely profound and the hard part of this is that we can't get it into a moment and land it. One of the hardest challenges I think in any believer's life is who am I in Christ? What is his purpose in his plan? Wouldn't it be great to just show up to an environment and someone just hand it to you on a piece of paper and you're like, great, I have it. But do you know in any of these four, that's exactly how it could be? That right now you could walk into a community and say, hey, I'm non-binary and immediately people would begin to buy in and accept you for who you are by a single statement. You could walk into another person and say, hey, I am a Democrat, I am a Republican, I am a what, whatever political party you could put on it, and immediately there would be a connection just by declaring that statement. But all of a sudden, when we begin to unpack who we are in Christ, it's a little bit more difficult because we're growing into it. All of a sudden, we are slowly moving into it, and that's this process of holiness, that all of a sudden, God starts working on us, even though he loves us, he's moving us closer and closer to him as we are continuing to let more of ourselves go and accept more of who he's called us to be. This is incredibly challenging because part of who we are is our faults and our mistakes. I don't know about you, but when I think of who God made me to be, I only wanna hear the good stuff. You know who God's made me to be? Ben Johnson, the dad of two girls, the husband, the pastor, and the guy that behind the scenes deals with tons of anxiety and panic attacks. The guy that wants to talk to people about bold faith, but behind the scenes deals with his own fear of all kinds of unique stuff. I lost my mom when I was about 18 years old, a senior in high school. I walked into a room where I heard my dad yell, I come running in, and my dad is doing CPR on my mom and says, call 911. I remember the ambulance showing up and all of that. And for the most part, I did really good with it until as I got older, I had an irregular heartbeat. And every time that heartbeat would begin to go, I would start thinking that there's something wrong. And all of a sudden, I would remember what my mom missed out on. Never seen kids graduate, never seen kids get married, never seen grandkids, and start running that play in my life. Is that my same thing? 
that would lead to other fears that, again, I would have loved ones pulled from me, worried about whether something would happen to my wife or kids or all these different things. And this is part of what it is. Now, I don't want to go as far as saying that this is who God's made me, because I believe that God has made me fearfully and wonderfully, but we're born into a sinful world where there is a mess, and part of that mess is this. But I will tell you that God is sustaining me to walk through this. I've prayed multiple times that this would be taken away. It is yet to be taken away. But when I think about who God's made me to be, I don't want to think about God's made me to be the the pastor that is challenging faith and hope and at the same time behind the scenes, sometimes privately is really, really, really dealing with some stuff. But who we are in Christ, we are who we are being a reflection of Jesus. That's who we are in Christ. Your identity in Christ is you being all of you reflecting Jesus. Your best, your worst, your mess-ups, your hang-ups. How many would agree that some of your parents left you some circumstances that were less than ideal, right? Some of us, we've made some of our own choices that are less than ideal. Some of us have had circumstances happen around us with no control of our own. And I want to tell you that what your parents gave you or didn't give you, well, choices you have or haven't made, circumstances that have around you, you take that and reflect Jesus, and that's who God's called you to be. Your identity is in who he is, not just the circumstances or challenges that you find yourself in. Well, well, let's move beyond that, because I want to push it even a little bit farther, that your identity is inseparably linked to your place in God's family. This is a unique thought, so let's push it a little further. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, it is in Christ Jesus that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before the first, excuse me, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designed us for glorious living, part of his overall purpose. And then this last line, for he is working out in everything and in everyone. He's working it out. He's working out our best and our worst. It's all coming together. Well, if that's true and it's inseparably in linked to God's family, then the second thought is this, that you cannot accomplish all that God has for you by yourself. You can't. God's purpose and plan for you is bigger than just what you can do on your own. Now, I, I don't know about you, but my bet is that there's chores that you actually don't mind. One of them for me is I love cleaning the, the garage. I love hanging out in there, turning on music. It, it is a fun place for me. It's my getaway. Uh, I don't mind that at all. If Becky was like, hey, can you just go and get the garage organized? I would feel like, serious? I could do that for a couple hours? Like, that would be awesome. I would love that. Then she would say, well, Ben, can you fold the basket of socks? And that's like, serious? Really? I mean, I'll, can I mow the lawn? Can I do, I'll do anything other than that because there's just certain things I don't like. And my bet is, is that you have been shaped that same way. There's some things that you like. There's some things you don't like. It's just the way it is. But can we agree that things that you don't like is always better with someone else? When you gotta do it with somebody else. See, ev- everything's better with other people when you share. Like if you told me right now and, and you said, hey, Ben, you need to go try this pizza place. It's the best pizza in our area. It is amazing. If you said, I could go and have that pizza by myself, or I could have multiple Costco pizzas delivered right here and eat them with you, I would pick Costco pizza with you guys every single time. Because everything's better when you share. And if you're here and you think Costco pizza is the best pizza in your area, you are so mistaken. You know what I mean? Like, you have no knowledge of how pizza works. There's just a part, like, everything's better when you share. Maybe it is. I'm just going, everything's better when you share. Pulling weeds got better if you could do it with a friend. 
It, it, just walk through life. You gotta go on a long road trip. It's horrible by, you, by yourself. You put three or four people in the car with you, you guys might be getting arrested. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have, you're gonna have a good time. Like it, it just, everything's better when we include it. And that's the same thing with the family of God. We were never designed to live, like live at it by ourselves. Now, many times I'll hear people say this, well, Ben, I'm really religious and I love to get away in the woods and just get by myself. And, and that's something, but that's not the body of Christ. I've even heard people go so far to say this, I love Christ, I just don't love his church. That's a unique statement because Christ would call his church his bride. I, I kind of wonder what somebody would say, like how it would go down if someone was like, hey, Ben, I really like you, I just don't like your wife. I'd be like, it just got awkward really quick. <laughs> Most people are like, Ben, I like your wife, I just don't like you. And I get that part. That part makes sense. But here's the part. We, we need community because there's something we can do together. Matter of fact, do you realize when we get together for corporate worship, we create an environment that makes it easier for people to walk in and engage in worship. When we come together and we create environments like this, it's easier for people to walk in and explore claims of faith in different parts because they're getting to do it in community. That when you show up and, and you put your kids in a classroom, not only are they gonna have more fun with others, but when a new student walks in for the first time, those kids are creating an environment that's welcoming and loving for other people to come in because this thing, this community, we were meant to do it together. It wasn't just meant to do by ourselves. See, God's family also has a function and it functions like a body. We all have different roles and we're all needed and valuable even though our roles are different. That's a unique thought. Kyle's role is potentially different than Becky's and down, down the line we, we recognize that everyone has a different role but we all play a part of this, of, all play a part of this family. In Romans 12 verses four and five it says, for just as each one of us is, one, is a part of one body and we all hold membership, that these members do not have the same function so in Christ we, though we are many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. This is a unique part. We belong to each other. It's why when all of a sudden we see a friend that's having a hard time, that we as a community rally around to give strength and support. When all of a sudden we hear that there's a health need happening in someone's family, we all take turns leaning into prayer and help. Hey, can we deliver a meal? Hey, can I send a card? Why? Because it's one family. We carry this together. It weighs on us. We recognize that each of us has a part. And thirdly, we realize that we cannot find freedom outside of God's authority. We can't find freedom outside God's authority. Now, many times we believe that rebellion, that freedom is found outside of authority, but what we recognize is true freedom is found under the authority of Christ. See, outside of rules, we believe that there's more freedoms, and the answer is no. Wherever there's more freedoms, there's always going to be more rules. Matter of fact, if you think about it this way, if you owned a large business or company and you were at the top of the organization, you have probably more freedoms than anybody else, but you also have more rules in the amount of people that are watching you and exploring and keeping on what's going on. And, and yet the fight right now inside of kind of our own thoughts is, man, Ben, are, do I need more rules? And the answer is, of course, I don't want more rules for you. What I want for you is to experience the freedom that's found in Christ. But what we find out is when we move not to just be on the receiving end of God's love, but we begin to step into his holiness and follow what there is, we realize that God opens up the opportunities that are available for us. There's more freedom when we step under that authority. 
Kind of a longer statement about this is this. Another name for the family of God is the word church, where Jesus is the head. God's purpose in every believer is to become more and more like him. We do this by becoming underneath his spiritual authority and the church. This is a unique thought. In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it would say, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. Now, let's think of it this way. Um, You potentially have seen an amputee where they are missing a leg or an arm or something. I'm actually not an amputee, but I'm missing an appendix. Anybody else lost tonsils or an appendix or something like that? Okay, a couple of us in here. Potentially, you've lost a finger. No one is an amputee that lost a head. Okay, a body that is missing a head is not a body, it's, it's dead. You see what I'm saying? So when we realize that all of a sudden we try to separate ourselves from God being the head, we realize that life is not separated. And so right now, we would look at it and go, hey, I don't think our church body is fully complete because we, can we agree we want more people walking into the doors of this church? How many right now, let me give you an example. How many would say, Ben, I love Legacy Church? How many would say, I would love Legacy Church more if my friends and families came here? Ben, I would love Legacy Church more if my friends and family got baptized in this church. Ben, I would love Legacy Church more when my roommate who drives me bonkers shows up and finally finds Jesus, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's just an element we recognize. Like, we love our church, but we, we know the body's not complete yet. God's doing more and more to stretch us to welcome people in. But here's something you need to know, that we're not missing ahead. God is the head of the church. He is the one that is building this church. And it's from there that we find freedom. And when we step underneath and recognize that he's the head, does the arm have more freedom under the authority of the head or over on its own? No, underneath the authority of the head. See, we've got to recognize that we're a part of what God's doing. So this verse continues on, which he is the head. Each part does its own work. Um, As each part does its own work, it helps all the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the goal of the body, is that not just one part's growing, the whole thing's growing. Everything's doing better. So kind of what is our takeaway in all of this? It's found in Psalms 29, 13. When I opened up, I said, hey, my goal for you is that you would know that God not only loves you, but he likes you. Then we walked into the church. So what's the takeaway? Psalms 29, 13 Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in its courts of God forever. See, my challenge to you is that you would not just attend church, but you would get planted and stay planted so that you can flourish and discover all that God has for you. See, God doesn't want you just to make it through life. No, he wants you to flourish so that when you walk out here and you reflect him, people are drawn unto him, not in the fact that your life has it all together, but no, you walk out and you recognize, I don't need to fake it to have it all together. No, there is a God who's working on my behalf. There is a God who's for me. There is a God who's making a way in a circumstance that seems dark. Can I pray for us as we get ready to wrap up? Dear Lord, I just ask that your love and care would be over us. The Lord, today, we would take the time to reflect on the fact that there is a good God that not only loves us, but he likes us. And God, you liked us so much that you sent your one and only son to a cross to pay a penalty that none of us could do on our own. See, you loved us so much, you who knew no sin became our sin. Lord, this is a trip and the whole thought of how The faith foundation works. 
In Romans, we're told that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then, Lord, we hear that the wages of sin is death. But, Lord, you were sinless, and yet you died. And so how can that be? If you were, quote, sinless, how could you die? And yet this is what's so cool. You didn't die for your sin. You died for ours. And today we realize that we are a sinner, meaning not because the Bible says we've done things wrong. We're just a sinner because things we know we shouldn't do, we do do. And things we know we should, we don't. We're not only a broken moral peace because of God's word, we're a broken moral peace because of our own thoughts, our own wants. And so today, Lord, we recognize that we need a savior. And your word says that if we confess our sins, um, believe in our hearts that you are the Lord, that we will be saved. And then it goes on to say, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, you leave no one out. It was your plan all the way from the beginning to redeem us unto you because you didn't just love us, you liked us and wanted to welcome us into the family of Christ, the church. With every head bowed and eye closed, and if you're watching online, if you've never prayed a prayer to invite the Lord into your heart and into your life, I wanna extend that invitation to you. In just a moment, I'm gonna walk you through a prayer, not because I'm some fancy prayer guy. I wanna make it as easy as possible for you to invite the Lord into your life. In just a second, I'm just gonna ask that you would repeat after me and mean it. In fact, if you're in here today and you're a believer, would you just say this with us to make it as comfortable and welcoming for those that are making this for the first time? Pray this with me. Say, dear Lord, today I need a savior. I've done my best on my own and I messed it up. I need your love, your grace, and your forgiveness. Help me to step into a life of holiness. I put my faith in your life, your death, and your resurrection. Remember me in eternity. In your incredible name, amen. Hey, would you honor any of those that just made that decision for the first time? We wanna welcome you into the family of God. Hey, I'm gonna have the chance to pass it over to Kyle. We're gonna end our service like we normally would. It truly has been a joy to be with you today. But my challenge is that you would take today's message a little bit further. And rather than just talk about it or think about it here, that today you would walk home, potentially look at some verses and apply it to life and let God begin to work on your heart and what we can do moving forward. Will you guys say thank you to Ben? Um, When we bring people into this pulpit, I want you to know that they are people who care about our community. And, and I think it's not hard to, to tell that he has spent time researching you, researching us, uh, and making sure that he could bring a, a word that was um, powerful. And so, Pastor Ben, thank you. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your investment in our church. Um, I want to encourage you guys, if you have uh, any questions or you want to get to know uh, Pastor Ben and Becky, man, Say hi to them. They are some of the most friendly people I've ever known in my life. Um, and, I, and I say that because uh, I, I remember in, in uh, our youth group, there was one, one kid that like ran away from home one time. And Pastor Ben got up and said, if you ever run away from home, here's my phone number. I want you to call me and uh, I'll come pick you up. And you can stay at my house for the night, even if you don't know me. And he put his number up on the screen, or he said it, and this, this last week, Brittany goes, hey, do you happen to know Ben's phone number? And I was like, yeah, I know his phone number. Da, 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 da. 
I can't tell you my own wife's phone number half the time, but I know Ben's number because he, he has that heart. That's, that's been his way of living for so long. So I want to encourage you, get to know them. Uh, they're going to be hanging out with us as we tear down. But I, I want to challenge you to do this. Get involved in bringing people here. Okay? Uh, and, and I'm not saying that so, so we grow to be a, a, a large church. That's going to be the outcome of, of the things that God will do in and through our community. Okay? It, it's going to be because people are being healed People are being set free, that people will be attracted to this. And so when you, when you bring someone, you are doing the ministry that God sent us out to do. Really quick, though, I know he's not here with us this morning. Uh, Pastor Phil uh, is actually out doing a funeral right now. He's, he's ministering to a family in need. Um, but I know that he needs a touch from God on his life. Uh, and I know that there are a couple of others who, who have some health issues. And I want to pray over you real quick. You guys were so gracious to pray over Brittany and I last week, and it was so great to sit on the couch and watch the service with you um, and, and hear your prayers for us. And I really do believe this, that your prayers over us healed us. Uh, because later on that day, we, we began to feel better. And, and since Monday, I, I, I've been back at work. Uh, Brittany went back to work. Levi's getting better. And so I, I believe that the power of prayer really does work. And so would you do me a favor? Would you stand your feet as we close? I want to pray uh, a prayer of healing and then uh, bless you as you go out. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that divine healing is not something that we only have to read about in Scripture, but it is the, the right to every believer. And so I pray right now your Holy Spirit would have your hand of healing upon Pastor Phil that you would touch his body completely, heal him, be with him, go before him. But God, I know that there are other people here or not here because they're dealing with COVID or they're dealing with uh, other diagnosis. They're, they're really struggling in their, in their faith and their walk because of the things that they are walking through physically. And I pray that you would miraculously heal them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we believe that you can do this and we're asking you to go above and beyond. And now, Father, I pray that as we go, you would use us powerfully to minister to the people that we are around, that we have influence with. But God, I pray your blessing over this church. I pray your blessing over these people. Go before us now. And it's in your name we all said together, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to say thank you so much for being with us for our weekend worship experience. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. You are dismissed. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.